I knew what it was to be special. And then I knew what it was to be invisible. And uh, the rest of my life has played out in such a way where that polarity is what I have built a career around. How do we help people to recognize what is beautiful and brilliant about themselves and the organization that they've built? And then how do we share that in such a way where it is a source of light for the right people? the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. And today our guest is Corey Blake. Corey is the founder of Roundtable Companies and the publisher of Conscious Capitalism Press. Corey, welcome to Traction Bill. Awesome to be here, gentlemen. All right, Corey. So, so full disclosure, Corey uh, uh, is a client of mine. Um, and, uh, but today, what we're going to talk about with Corey, Corey does a lot of unique things. And so I'm going to stop there and, and I'm going to ask Corey, Corey, uh, tell us tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, uh, name is Corey Blake. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm out here on the uh, North Shore of Chicago, spent about a decade in L.A. Uh, in between growing up in the Chicago suburbs and then coming back. Uh, so I fell into storytelling uh, back in high school initially and then went and got trained for it. Uh, didn't fall into business until uh, 2005 when I started Roundtable. Previous to that, I was, I was a one-man business as an actor. I worked you know, for almost a decade in Los Angeles. So uh, the 32nd commercial was you know, a, a big uh, part of my storytelling career and understanding and, and from there it unfolded. And in 2005, when I started RTC, thankfully we quickly became a storytelling company. It's not exactly how we started, but we were sought after for that. And so we've, we've been expanding that kind of work ever since, but you know, that really pulled me into the business community, a place that I had never expected to land and, uh, and kind of find a piece of my identity within. So now a huge portion of my time and intention is in supporting other leaders and their organizations to, to find, uncover the authentic story of, their, of them individually or of their organization and then to deliver it creatively so people pay attention. Very cool. So what are you, so, you know, we're, we're all dealing with COVID, right? And, and some companies are pivoting, some companies are thriving, some companies are unsure of what to do next. Um, what are you doing right now at RTC? So we, we um, admittedly, we, we were in a pretty decent position uh, when all this struck. So um, for two reasons, one of them being EOS. I think uh, at the point that this hit, we were about 18 months into our EOS journey with you, I think. Uh, and that was transformative. It's been insanely transformative for us. We were, you know, we're, we're 15, 16 years old now. And, uh, you know, I have a degree in theater. So you're starting this company up. Um, foundational structures that are standard to business, you know, I, I had to figure out along the way and it was very hodgepodge, have no idea how we survived for 13 plus years before we found the EOS model. Uh, but, but that became uh, a playbook for our president, Kristen Westberg, 
that she had been wanting for some time and I was unable to deliver to her. So in finding EOS, uh, our company finally got grounded in the structure that it had lacked for a long time. And uh, so, so there was safety in that, first of all. Mm. Um, and then um, because we were already a remote team, our, our folks are all over the country. Um, and, uh, and the kind of work that we do in storytelling, uh, for one reason or another, like our, our, I think we had two clients pause their projects, very minimal for us. Uh, and, and so we were in a, in a financially okay position. So the result of having, you know, the safety of structure and a financial uh, position that was not collapsing as some people's were, uh, that allowed for me to be open and paying attention to what is the way that we're being called to serve others right now. There was this feeling of, okay, well, if we're lucky, we have to utilize that somehow in for the benefit of others. Some people are just in survival mode, right? There's not a lot of contributing outside of their chaos that they can offer. So because of our position, we, we felt that was important. So I was, I've been on, I had been on the lookout and, and for a solid, maybe three or four weeks, I was in that frustration of watching some of my friends or colleagues kind of, you know, popcorn have their moment of, Oh, this is what we're meant to do during this time. And as I wasn't finding that I was, I was, I was, it was troubling. Uh, it was confusing. I was starting to throw spaghetti at the wall. Some things that felt like they were kind of working, some things that felt a little weird, some things that my staff would come to me and be like, you should probably do less of that. <laughs> and, uh, but it was experimentation. And then, uh, and then I had my, my kind of epiphany moment uh, two weeks ago now uh, where I, I felt like the universe was whispering an opportunity, something we've been doing for some time that we had never thought to do in, in, a, in a configuration virtually. Uh, which is these these art installations that we do. We do them all over the country for different clients. They're large um, and they're very evocative emotionally for people and they demand attention. And uh, I just kind of heard that voice saying the world needs this right now because it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a piece that uh, accesses our humanity as opposed to what differentiates us. It's our, mm -hmm. our commonality. So, okay, the world you know, needs a space for people to say the crazy things going on in our heads that we don't necessarily have a safe place to, to share and talk about so that there's an opportunity to transform our emotion around those stories. And so again, because we had the structure in place uh, and the team was, it, it was thriving because of EOS, we were able to implement that within two weeks, have the site up and running and ready and, and we'll launch it in a couple of days. Can we ask you what the, can can folk can we ask you what that site is or are you holding yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll it'll be live. It's uh, United by COVID. Unitedbycovid.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll make sure that that's in our show notes, obviously, and and, and, and ways for people to connect with you. Um, so, in your in your um, in the intro, you're also the publisher of Conscious Capitalism Press. What is Conscious Capitalism? So Conscious Capitalism is an organization, a movement that was founded over a decade ago by John Mackey of Whole Foods and quickly other uh, prominent CEOs came aboard. Kip Tindall's uh, from the Container Store has been an active member since the beginning. Um, John wrote the book Conscious Capitalism with Raj Sisodia who's just one of these beautiful uh, human beings um, in the academic world who's kind of transitioned over to, uh, to being somebody that, that business leaders pay a lot of attention to. 
And their whole uh, movement is really based around it's important that the world and our people all do well while we do good as a business, right? So profitability is important because it allows us to serve in greater capacities, but it's not the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means is it, is it low on the list. It's important. It's imperative. But uh, everyone has to win in an ecosystem around a business uh, in order for it to, uh, I think, realize more of its potential. So conscious capitalism is based on a winning stakeholder orientation where everyone in the ecosystem benefits from being part of the business uh, from a higher purpose, like what is the purpose driving the organization, and then conscious leadership and conscious culture. So the, the, this community, you know, it's, it's got 40 chapters all over the, the country, all over the world at this point. Uh, every year we get together for, for two big events. One of them is a CEO summit, 250 to 300 CEOs and presidents come together. And, and really it's all about advancing this conversation about how do we be more conscious within business, which itself you know, is, a, is, a, is a paradox and a challenge. Uh, the more I think that we realize uh, the opportunities to be conscious, the more we realize we don't have time to be conscious in every arena. And so it becomes kind of a, a, a dance of determining where am I intentionally going to be unconscious so I can focus on the, the, you know, the conscious areas that are important. Uh, but it's a beautiful community. I've, I've been blessed to be part of it since 2015. So what does the press do then? The press is, uh, was created to capture the wisdom of the community. There's, as you can imagine, something that happens, the more personal development work we do on ourselves as human beings, oftentimes the less apt we are to pick up a microphone and tell other people how they should do anything, right? The more I learn, uh, the more I realize I know nothing kind of a a mentality. And so we had this recognition that there were so many people who were um, really advancing certain lines of development within consciousness. Like what is conscious communication is very different than what is conscious law, for example, or if I want to sell my business consciously, what does that look like? And being good in one area does not make us good in another. And so we, we had this recognition of we've got to package this wisdom within the community and share it with other people, uh, particularly because the, the, the folks who have these capabilities, they need a support mechanism um, to even recognize that the world needs what they have to offer because they've, you know, they've, they've tamped down their ego to a great degree in doing this work. And yet, in the absence of them picking up a microphone, right, other people are who, who might be approaching business in the old ways that are not serving everyone anymore. You don't need anyone's permission to change the world. At Roundtable Companies, we'll work together to discover your most compelling story for a book, film, or brand. Come to our table and tell your tale. We'll listen, and together we'll discover the story that needs to be told to create your greatest impact. Their clients say it all. Dr. Danny McVetty, founder and CEO of Lap of Love said, RTC has made my lifelong dream of writing a book easier and more imaginative than I would have thought possible. I had no idea where or how to start, but with RTC, all I had to do was talk. They take my ideas, organize them, put color to my stories, and make them into a compilation that I'm incredibly proud of. This process has quite literally been a dream come true. Start telling your story today. Visit roundtablecompanies.com for more information. It's interesting, Corey. I think I always naively, well, just very naively, believed that if you did business the right way, markets would reward that. 
a friend of mine uses a quote, you can't outgive the market that you're trying to serve. It'll all kind of come back to you. It's kind of a, a commercialist karma type of viewpoint at it. Um, and I, and I always believed that I, I believe the, the market as a whole would reward those people that lived out their business the way that you're talking about. Uh, but there's so many examples lately, I feel like where that's just not true. So for me, it feels like this rude awakening that, um, you know, not that the, you know, there's the old expression that the good guys never win. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second, but there are a lot of bad guys that win too. Right. And I won't throw any names under the bus, but it's amazing how, um, you know, the, the thing that strikes me the most is how this giant, we'll just call them an e-commerce company with this huge infrastructure can treat their, their warehouse workers so bad. These stories keep coming out, right, of the warehouse workers. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, well, the market has to fix that. The problem is I'm the market and I keep ordering. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is, there is a need for what you're, you're talking about because at some point there's a trade-off and it is, there, there is a choice that you have to make. Well, I think what's something that you're highlighting that's important um, has been an important part of my journey is recognizing the messiness of what consciousness, how it can look. If, if I judge you based on the areas where I'm good at yeah. consciousness, quote unquote, right, mm -hmm. then I might miss out on, on the areas uh, where you have something to offer me that I have something to learn. And I know for the first several years that I was in a part of the movement, uh, I kind of, I, I looked around from that perspective and anything that felt out of alignment from what I believed consciousness was felt yeah. wrong. Yeah, that's beautiful. So even in the, you know, in the, uh, the example that you're, that you've offered up, I think, I think that's a company um, that is doing a lot of things at a conscious level and some things that get spoken about um, yeah. seem highly unconscious. It's not to say that they're they're they, maybe they're working on it. Maybe they're not. Um, but ultimately, I think we see examples all over the place where, um, where we see and can evaluate, does the business ultimately care? Are they trying to correct these things? Are they actively in those conversations? Or are they passing blame and just trying to avoid yeah, and move on good. to the next stuff? Um, but ultimately, I think my overall belief is that in the longer arc of time, that yes, uh, the market will reward uh, these companies. I and mean, if you think about um, companies that are on the... Um, I'm trying to remember, is it the S&P? Um, the, the, the duration companies used to be on the S&P was quite a long time. It was like right. decades. And now it's right. down to 15 years and then they tend to fall off. So, um, so I think the, the, the market, so to speak, is, is judging some things more quickly. And the millennial generation is certainly, it, it appears, pushing pretty hardcore for more consciousness in business and if they demand it as a as a large enough group, then companies will be forced to address it. That's that's positive, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, as I sit here and I, I listen to that, like so, consciousness, right? That's a, 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 a state of awareness, right? And you have the going with with Benj's analogy, right? We we have these warehouse workers, right? And these stories keep coming out. And then, you know, you go up to the SLT, you know, is it, is it that they're blind to it and they're not seeing it? Is it uh, not important to them? 
um, you know, when you read some stats around uh, around millennials, and you know, I read something. You know, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but isn't everything true on the internet? Um, you know that like millennials are going to have twenty six jobs in their career, right? And 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 then I, you know, you mentioned the S and P, and that that's actually shorter now. And so you think of these companies, you know, if they're not in a state of consciousness, you know, what does that culture look like? You know, it's not going to be healthy. Um, you're, you're, sure. you're not going to, you're not going to, re, your, your retention is going to be an issue, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think there's, there's, there've been plenty of studies that, I mean, you know, these, these Gallup poll statistics on engagement are, have been appalling for years, overall engagement, like in right. the 30%, you know, and most companies have at least 20% of their, of their people hitting each other over the head with, with the oar instead of rowing. Mm -hmm. that, that whole that comic uh so i i do think yeah i agree that that is um there are plenty of cultures out there where where people are not their, their potential is not um being accessed at an individual level not just a you know function level but they're they're you know are we creating space for their humanity to show up at work and be a part of how they innovate within a culture um and i think leaders you know we, we get siloed in our thinking sometimes like even when we were just trying to come up with the United by COVID URL, originally it was our leadership team. We were just bouncing it around a little bit. And I had that moment of, why are we not asking company-wide <laughs> for opinions? And as soon as we did, like the excitement and the flood of ideas led us very quickly to the choice that we made. Sure. But it also involved everyone. And then we had other people offering and contributing different ways you know, to help be a part of it. Yeah. And, and so we, we, you know, we often have to remember to invite other people into those conversations to help. Yeah. Well, it's not just one popcorn kernel popping, for, you know, for you, you've now got everybody popping, right? And through that, uh, you, you landed where you landed and that, that's phenomenal. Um, so I want to go back to the, 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 the events that conscious capitalism does, right? Sure. Um, why would I, why would a leader uh, who, you know, I got a good company, I got a good culture. Why would I go to that event? Well, so I go for, uh, for the, for the camaraderie of being around other people who, uh, who approach their business in a similar way and, and to be around other decision makers, you know, uh, there's something about, you know, being within our own companies and being the, you know, the, the proverbial top of a pyramid, that the whole you know cliche of of uh, it's lonely at the top is absolutely accurate. I think for uh, between 2005 and 2014, I was head down, blinders on, just trying to achieve what I thought the goals were. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Conscious Capitalism for the first time, I felt like the blinders got pulled off, and I suddenly became available to everything that was being offered to us that I couldn't see because. I was only focused on the things I wanted to focus on. So being in a community of people who were colleagues, not who were responsible to me, not who had any pressure to say things that made me happy, et cetera, you know, all that stuff, even in a pretty healthy culture, it still just exists. So mm -hmm. to be in a community of like-minded leaders has been, uh, it's been, it's, it's expanded my own growth trajectory, like, uh, sure. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm wondering if you go back to that year, you know, you're grinding it out, you're grinding it out. And so I'm, I'm wondering what the tipping point was. Did somebody say, Hey, Corey, you, you, you need to, you need to come with me to this event. Yeah. 
what happened there? How did you, cause, and, and, and then I, let me layer in one more thing. Sure. Did you have to get dragged in or did you go in willingly? So one of our clients at the time was a guy named Jeff Sinelli who runs Witch Witch Sandwiches. Um, they're big in Texas. I think they're 400 plus locations at this point. I have no idea how he's faring right now, but um, we were working on a book with Jeff and he's one of these fascinating, charismatic guys. He had started Genghis Grill before, which is, he's just phenomenal with huge concepts. And, uh, and Jeff was, was, as part of the book, I was learning from him this concept that he calls the yellow, follow the yellow brick road. And the way that I interpreted uh, follow the yellow brick road was when someone that you respect and care about tells you to do something that it'll be good for you, try your best to uh, shut up and do it. And Jeff said to me, you need to be at the conscious capitalism CEO summit. And so I didn't even look up what I was in for. You know, I paid, I paid the $5,000 fee and I showed up and I had an experience that I think a lot of people have at the beginning, which was what the hell am I doing here? (laughs) But by the end of that two and a half days, I was like, Oh, I know exactly why I'm here. Those profound, I did not go kicking and screaming by any means, but there was, there were a series of events that kind of led up to, to me being open and in this transformational space where I was asking different questions and for that to show up for me was instrumental. Corey, um, we'd be remiss if we let you off here without having you tell us more about what you, what round table does and who you do it for, because there's some companies, there's some individuals out there that could probably use your help. Sure. Well, you know, what, what I, what I love that we get to do is, is we help, um, we help, artists. And by artists, I mean business people who are using their business to paint the version of the world that they want to see. Okay. That is absolutely my belief. Every business leader that I've come across, that there's something from early in their lives that occurred that, that as a human being, we all spend the rest of our life trying to resolve in some fashion, typically by helping other people who are in a similar situation somehow to get through it better than we were able to because we didn't have the tools right back yonder. So, uh, so my, uh, my beginning of that um, occurred when I was five years old, raised by a, a Jewish mom in a Jewish household, which meant that me as the only son, like I was, you know, exactly. <laughs> Your smile tells me you get it, right? <laughs> so, so like I was everything, I got all of her light and, uh, and I thought I was the center of the universe because of the way that she treated me. Well, on my fifth birthday, my mom kind of, you know, something flipped in her and her light went out for a year and uh, severe depression. And I think what we would now diagnose as bipolar disorder. And as a result of that, like I went from being the center of the universe to living in the dark and not knowing who I was. And then, you know, as a five-year-old kid, like there's none of this is conscious thought, right? But as I reflect back on it and had started to connect some dots from early on, I knew what it was to be special. And then I knew what it was to be invisible, mm. right? And uh, the rest of my life has played out in such a way where that polarity is what I have built a career around. How do we help people to recognize what is beautiful and brilliant about themselves and the organization that they built? And then how do we share that in such a way where it is a source of light for 
the right people, right? So it's, it becomes absolutely a beacon. And we do it through storytelling. That's just how this manifested. So how do we find the story that essentially traces back those same dots to what I just described for you, for an individual and for an organization, so we can share it with the world? Because when I tell you that story, it's easy for you to interpret it as, oh, this guy's whole life has been preparing him for what he ended up starting this company for. I think every organization that gets started, that's what's occurring. But if you ask most founders, most owners, why did you start this business? The responses are not able to connect those dots. And they usually come from places like, you know, I fell into it, like I was working for this, like it all, it, it's, all goes way deeper than that. But until we capture that story and share it with the world, People can't see that organization really for the essence of why it was created. And then they're just in traditional competition with everyone. When you know those dots and you can connect those and share them, you are completely differentiated from the market. So we find and uncover what are those stories. They start with the founder and then they move into, depending on the size of the organization, leadership team and influential people within the organization who kind of energetically other people follow. We can explore all that. We can look at what are the building blocks of what this company is now you know, able to contribute to the world. And we package all of that stuff creatively. So the idea is how do we use entertainment to really open people up? And then while they're open, we can be very responsible with kind of what we put down their throats, you know, so to speak. Um, and early in my acting career, the answer to that was Mountain Dew. And McDonald's cheeseburgers, like that's the kind of work that I was doing. We were opening people up with entertainment and then convincing them to, you know, pour crap down their throats. And I came to this moment in that trajectory. It was like, I don't think this is what I was built for. And I had to get away from that, which is also, again, it's part of the same story of helping find that alignment for organizations of you know, what do you, where, where are you really meant to use your mm. talents and your gifts as yeah. a company? That's beautiful. I wasn't sure where we were going when we, you know, we knew we wanted to have you on here. Wasn't sure. <laughs> had no idea we were going into conscious consumerism, uh, conscious capitalism. So um, that's beautiful. And I love how yeah. even that ties back to your story of, yeah. you know, going from uh, Mountain Dew and McDonald's to, to helping other people. So uh, Corey, thanks for being on with us today. Um, you're Pleasure. just a, a great energy, great spirit. So thank you. Wish you all the best. We'll uh, make sure people can find both the press, both the roundtable, and your art installation united by COVID. We'll get all that on there. And uh, the link to the uh, conference, too, because there's going to be some owners out there that are going to be interested in showing up and shaking your hand. Um, Thank you. Tractionville, thanks for joining. We'll see you next week. Tractionville Tuesday. <laughs>